Hi, welcome to James Miller Lifeology. We learn to simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. My name is James Miller. I'm a licensed psychotherapist and a composer. Thank you so much for joining with us today. Let's get started. Did you know that on jamesmillerlifeology.com, you can enroll in the academy I created for listeners just like you? I've created courses you may take at your own pace, which will help you simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. Enroll in one of the classes today. I have a great show for you today. I'm going to help you overcome childhood stigmas. I'll also be interviewing Anjana Karamathel, who shares her story of how she overcame her childhood stigmas in India and created multiple educational opportunities for many underprivileged children. You all know me as a psychotherapist, but some of you may not yet know me as a composer. I currently have two albums which have been released. Think of both albums like books. Each composition is written like a chapter in a book. The first album, Consolation, explores a character's grief and loss. And just like in any book, the story explores a character's heartache and eventually he finds healing and hope. The second album, Restoration, explores a character's personal development. He has an awakening, and in that awakening, he recognizes all the things in his life which aren't healthy, and it helps him come to a place of restoration, being restored to something greater than before. You may purchase both albums on iTunes or any other digital music store. The names of the albums are Consolation and Restoration, and my stage name is James S. Miller. The name of the piece you're currently hearing is from the second album, Restoration, entitled Determination. Ignoring childhood stigmas, when we're younger, our self-esteem is often measured by the environments in which we grew up. Often our parents will tell us certain things about the type of person we could become. And then when we're in school, of course, our teachers will tell us the same thing based off of our grades or even your social group at that time. And as we grow up, all these different lessons or what we're told formulates the person that we become. One of the most difficult things is if we're often told as a child that we'll never amount to anything, or maybe even our family system, maybe even put us in the role of the black sheep or the type of person who is just not going to succeed. As we grow up, that then becomes what we tell ourselves. That becomes a template of how our thoughts are created. For example, if I have a dream that I want to have my own business, well, if all of a sudden I think of, and maybe not even consciously, I think of the things that were told to me. James, you would never amount to anything. Or James, you're not smart. Or you're not good with your money. If that were the case, well, then it'd be very difficult for me to be successful or even try to attempt the dream that I have because what I was told as a child multiple times, maybe in different ways, that I wasn't good enough, well, therefore I wouldn't try it. One of the hardest things to do is to really stop and reflect on what was your childhood like? What were the stigmas that were put on you? And some people may not experience this, but I know so many people who've gone through their life who continually replay this childhood template and never fulfill their dreams. So as you reflect on that today, maybe even in this moment, ask yourself, what was told to me when I was growing up? And if you kind of struggle with that, one way to actually do that is when you mess up and you maybe do something that you're not proud of or you're ashamed of, what is the self-talk you create for yourself? For example, if I say, James, you're so stupid, or what is wrong with you? Always do this. If my negative self-talk usually says the same phrase over and over again, that's usually what I was told as a child. And that is then manifested in the adult version every time you do something you're not proud of. And then when you're not proud of something, then you internalize that even more that what you believed when you were a kid was really the truth. You then added your own version of that self-doubt and made it even stronger. 
It's my goal today to have you really reflect on what childhood stigmas were placed on you. Because if there's something that's telling you that you can't fulfill your highest dreams or cannot overcome any of your obstacles or limitations, then my friend, those stigmas are lies. You get to decide who you're going to be. You get to decide how successful you're going to be. And I'm confident that today will be the day of liberation for you, that you'll realize that you can become anything and anyone you want to be. A quick example of one of the courses you'll find in the Academy entitled Spirit, Mind, Body, The Perfect Triad. This non-religious course helps you understand how your intuition, or rather your gut, your logic, and your body all work together to help you overcome any obstacle you may face. Enroll in the class today. My guest today is Anjana Karumathal. She is going to share her story of overcoming many of life's obstacles in India and how she is now a global champion for individuals in similar situations. Welcome to my show, Anjana. Thank you very much indeed, James. Uh, thank, thank you for having me. Yes, it's my pleasure. Now, I do have to apologize to you and to the world up front that I clearly butchered your name, so I want to apologize <laughs> for that up front. <laughs> that, that's perfectly fine. That's no problem. <laughs> well, thank you. I really appreciate you reaching out to me. You know, I think it's really interesting and really relevant. There, there's so many uh, cultures throughout the world, and there's so many beautiful things about many cultures, but there's also, just like in every side to any situation, there's always some areas in which cultures can grow. But I think your particular story is very relevant because education is one of the most prominent things that we all can, that, we, that links us together in many different ways. So I'm really looking forward to hearing about your life and your story and the things that you're doing to help bolster people's educational needs. Sure. Um, I, I, I guess, James, I am I'm slightly different from the kind of people you typically have on your show. Uh-huh. Just the fact that I come from a different culture and that I am not really an entrepreneur. I'm just a normal corporate employee, a cog in the corporate wheel. Um, I was born uh, in in a very in a lower middle class family in in South India in a in a very rural village setting. From, this is great in the sense that people are general in this part of the world are generally very uh, it's a very collectivist society. People care about each other. Um, it's a very religious kind of place. So people actually set aside time to pray every day. This is really the good part. But everything else about uh, this society it was not really conducive to uh, a girl of ambition like me. Mm-hmm. For, so things like, for example, the access to education and opportunities was quite limited. This was, of course, I was born in the pre-internet age. So the only access I had to the world outside my village was, was books. And even access to books was rather limited. Sure. What made, uh, what made it even more challenging was the fact that people, in, in as much as it looked like a society that, that lived in the 21st century, the mindsets were very, very old, were very archaic, outdated. So, um, in in a sense, there was this. There's always a gender difference. The, this feeling of the of the male superiority and that the female is a second class citizen. Mm-hmm. Uh, over and above that, what made it dif- difficult was the fact that I my my parents was were separated, and I was brought up by my my mother and her family. Now, um, this is a society that believes that the fundamental, it believed at the time and it continues to believe that the fundamental purpose of a woman's existence is to get married and have children and stay married. Mm. Um, so a divorce in this part of the world is rather unheard of. Sure. It, was, it is unheard of even today. So you can imagine the stigma some 30 plus years ago. Oh my gosh, of um, course. Yes. 
And so we were not really uh, well off from a financial standpoint. So as it is, my mother was viewed as as a as someone who failed in her life, and I was the fatherless child, that to a girl, who obviously didn't get a great head start. So there was a lot of social stigma associated with her being who she is, and so she had to take up a job to take care of me and and everybody else in the family, and and to educate me. So that was one part of it, and the other part of it was what I had to undergo. in in school and in my day to day life because i was so called a fatherless child wow well, i want to first off thank you so much for for just your story i mean i can already tell how inspiring it's going to be cuz just like any movie you know you have the back story and then you you know the climax of all the different amazing things you're doing so i first off want to tell my listeners as well that anjana is actually calling from india right now so it's definitely a pleasure to have her be here today but i wanted to go back and ask you some of the questions uh, so first off your mom sounds absolutely amazing she sounds like a very powerful wonderful woman regardless of the stigma that the culture put on her to be able to provide for you and to really encourage you with your education i just want to really applaud her um that that you had such a strong woman in your life absolutely uh, i would not be half the person i am today if she hadn't made the effort to educate me to to where i am today and to to influence the way i thought about life yes. so god he didn't give me quite two parents but the one he did give me was more than two <laughs> that's amazing i'm really happy to hear that how was your self esteem as you were considered i suppose one of you know, the fatherless child in your village how, what was your self esteem like as you went just throughout your normal day um it was it was at an all time low no doubt the just going to school and coming back was a challenge because there was a lot of bullying going on there was a lot of name calling etc and and a whole host of these small but annoying and persistently annoying things that that um, kind of make it difficult for a young child to study sure now when i when i look back at those days i can laugh about it now but i actually took self defense classes oh really <laughs> wow okay <laughs> yeah because it was not easy being me sure the what what made it more difficult was the fact that i was good at studies Mm-hmm. I the fact that I scored well in in school made a lot of my peers somewhat jealous and somewhat irritated with my presence so they did everything possible to bring me down um and in india we have this this uh, saying i don't know if you're familiar with it we call it the indian frog mentality in the, sorry the indian crab mentality the uh, that's in, if you put a lot of crabs in a bowl and one crab tries to crawl out of the bowl the other crabs will pull it down oh. so so um th- that's that's the that's the general indian mentality on if somebody really strives to do something in an excellent way uh, it is not an environment that is, that gives them the the impetus to go further it is an environment that pulls them down so mm. it becomes really hard to stand out yeah we actually have something similar to that about monkeys and i'll probably do a an um an analogy of that in a lesson in the earlier segments. So that that's interesting. But it does make sense. I mean, it really does. If if no one's someone does try and change their life or tries to become something different. Yes, and the world around them is going to pull them down. Yes. Yes. So um it was there. The stigma was there and there was also the disappointment of not having the father figure. 
uh, for example, if there were important occasions in school or if I needed to make a career decision or, a, or, a, or a, an educational decision, there was really nobody that, that could advise me, that had the world view on what I should do. So it was certainly a disappointment, but one that I eventually learned to, to cope with. Yeah. And then you went off to university, correct? Yes. And what was it that drew you to university itself? Um, I, I think the primary thing was, was I think, the one thing that, that uh, this entire my childhood influenced me to do was to, was to make my life mean something. And for that, it was important that I go to a, a big brand name university and get for myself the best education that I could. Because it was just the, the only tool that was accessible to me at that point, it was my books. And uh, I decided that I would go to do it. So the way it works in India, the mindset is a little different from how it works in, in say, the United States. In India, if you're good at math and physics, then engineering is an obvious choice for you. And if you're no good at math and physics, and if you're better at the sciences, then it is medicine. And if ah. you're not in, in the sciences or mathematics at all, then you're generally deemed a failure. No matter what you study, there is nothing much going to happen. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's a lot of pressure. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so getting into a good engineering college is, is a tough task. And the examination, the, uh, there's a national level entrance examination. And, uh, and uh, people struggle and, and write the examination like their life depends on it because it does. Wow. So I managed to get into the top engineering college in the in the state because I was good at math and physics and I hated science. Um, and I, I chose electrical engineering because that that seemed to be something I could do. Mm-hmm. So the the the, uh, the prior the driving force for me really, James, was not the electrical engineering that I studied. It was the fact that getting into a big brand name institute in in India has much value in the job market, irrespective uh, sure. of what you think. So uh, the fact that I was in a, in a prestigious place opened a lot of doors for me before, even before my degree was complete. Which then also removes the stigma from what maybe people in your village thought about you as a fatherless child. So uh, now you have uh, a different value system based off of the school that you're in. Absolutely. So now uh, I was, I didn't know it at the time, but I think I was kind of uh, showing uh, showing people a way out of the mess mm. that you know if you're born into a dif- difficult situation you can you can really use education and i don't mean like purely a school brick and mortar kind of education but the whole idea of expanding your worldview and being willing to to read as much as you can and imbibe as much as you can and that will really open the door to many opportunities well, let's talk more about that. Sure, because like you said, there is a traditional brick and mortar. In other words, you're actually in school. Some people go to university after secondary school. Uh, but for you, it sounds as if that there's many different formats of what education could be like. Yes, yes. Um, I was, I was, when I, I think my view of education has morphed over the years. Like I just told you, I went to, to this particular engineering school because it was the, the number one edu- school in the state. And that was really all that mattered at that point. Mm-hmm. I, I, I graduated and, and I found a job in a software company and it was just the company I wanted and all of that. Now, uh, as, as then what, what happened to my life was that I began to do software engineering and then I began to travel the world. 
Now, traveling the world was really the, the important part of it because going to a new country was like reading a thousand books in one day. Mm, I, I know that feeling, sure. Yes. And so um, what that really helped me do was that was my real education. It kind of completely broadened my worldview on what is possible. And I have now gone from the whole brick and mortar idea. I, have, I think I have evolved that. And I think education school in school is still important. But I also now believe that uh, in, in different countries, say, for example, like the US, the cost of education is quite prohibitive. And so it may not be accessible to everyone. The whole idea of education is to broaden the mind. Yes. And so long as you are ready to broaden the mind, whether it's in a school or whether it's in a library, it really doesn't matter. If you broaden your mind, that's when you know you're educated and that's when you understand what opportunities are available to you. Well, I, I totally agree with that. You know, one thing I, I had the, the, the fortune of doing a study abroad program in my undergrad and and I truly agree with you. You know, uh, the way I grew up in some ways was very rural in some parts. Uh, I grew up in the rural part of Canada, and then I moved uh, all around the United States. But I found for me that when I moved to a different country, I actually moved to Spain. Uh, I was there for a year studying abroad. And I found that my – I thought I had a pretty open mind overall, but just to be a part of another culture, to understand the pride and uh, of that – of the, the people who live there and how they view their world and just understanding things in a completely different way or being around something, it just totally, I guess, impacted me in a very profound, powerful way. And, and I couldn't agree more with you in the sense of if you can't go to those locations, then studying something to by proxy, or in other words, if you just read about it or to really immerse yourself in something that's different or slightly different, whether you agree with it or not, it still allows you to understand the world in a much more expansive way, which helps you be much more relatable, much more understandable within the world or even in the culture in which you currently live. I absolutely agree. That's wonderful. Now, after you graduated with your engineering degree, you self-financed um, your education in London, I believe. Is that correct? Yeah, in Scotland. Oh, Scotland. Okay. That's wonderful. Yes, so, um, yes I, I worked abroad for a few years uh, prior to my MBA. And so the reason I did that was to kind of get, my, get earn some money so that I could fund my own education in, uh, in UK. So uh, nobody in my family has actually studied abroad. And it was therefore a dream for me to go and, and study abroad and experience the Western way of learning. Oh, that's so amazing. That, yes. So, um, I, so I worked for about eight years and then I went to do my uh, MBA in, in Scotland. By the time I was done with my MBA, all my savings was exhausted. Mm, I'm sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and then now what? What do you do then? I mean, all your savings is gone, everything you've worked towards. Yeah, <laughs> it was all gone. But the, I think the educational experience was absolutely worth it. Sure. I would do it again if I could. Yeah. So then what happened after that? Because I, I'm really excited about this particular part because I, I have some connections with this as well, which is, is very interesting ah, yes. how it works so together. After my MBA, I got a job at De in Deloitte Consulting in, in India. And um, I, I joined the, their corporate strategy team, um, which is cool. I got to travel to New York City and the, and the rest. And that it's after a little bit of uh, organization restructure that I finally moved into learning and development, mm. which is the area that I am really passionate about. Learning and development is fun. It was fun at Deloitte because what, what a learning professional does is essentially equipping other working professionals with the skills they need to do their jobs better. It's as simple as that. Sure. So 
is the skill. So at Deloitte, there's a framework for everything. So the um, for for even for the skills people need at different levels, there's a framework. Some of these skills are related to leadership. So that's that involves direct training by me. Um, other skills are more technical. So then my job is to get somebody else to come and and teach them. So it's it's pretty simple. And the, the reason I like that I liked that job was because it kind of brought back memories of my childhood. Yes. And I'm sure being able to instill and um, and to teach those people who are budding leaders in their own in their own right, I'm sure that, that's that's also just it just really reinforces how far you've come, what you've done, um, you know, yeah. making it be all worth it. You know, all the the ways yeah. in which you're, you're your culture may have treated you. And now on the other side of that, you're the expert. You're the one to whom these people come and you get to teach them. I, I think it's absolutely wonderful. It's very, very yes. inspiring. Yes, it's, it's like life came of a full circle. Um, I, I, I realized that I was at that point where I could give back. I realized that I was doing for others what I had done for myself and what I had, the path I had chosen for myself seemed to work well for me. And so I was equipping other people to do a better job. And so that made a lot of sense to me personally. Yes, yes, that makes, that makes perfect sense. Now, there's another part of that as well, which it sounds like the, the employees of Deloitte also give back to their community or give back to the world in some way. It's, can you speak more about that? <laughs> yes. So that was, again, in line with my interest in, in education and especially education for the girl child. Because um, uh, part of the reason why, and, and this is very personal, but part of the reason why uh, my father abandoned our family is because of, I was a girl and he really didn't want a girl. Oh my gosh, uh, Anjan, I'm so sorry. That makes no sense to me at all. Yes, uh, <laughs> it's something that I have made peace with and it's something that's very prevalent in India even today. Mm. So having having suffered that, I, I have tried, I have always looked for ways to, to bring the girl child forward, to, yes. to, to give them the opportunity that I never had. So not in a very argumentative uh, feminist kind of way. I, I don't believe in making my voice heard in such forums, but in a way that that actually makes a, makes a small difference to them. Mm-hmm. So this is the project that I started at, at Deloitte. So at Deloitte, you are, you're right, there's a day when we give back to the community. We call it Impact Day. So one of the projects that, that I, I founded, actually, it was Deloitte's first international uh, community project. So what we did was Deloitte has this fantastic video conferencing facility called the Telesuite. It is so good that um, even if you whisper in, in one of the rooms, people across the world can hear it. Wow. <laughs> That's good <laughs> yes. and bad, I suppose. <laughs> yes. And so people get extremely conscious and they don't really scratch their face and stuff. The, the, it's just fantastic technology. Uh-huh. Uh, so what I did was I, I brought a lot of um, school children into, the, into our telesuite. And I, I brought them on in on impact day and over the, over on the other side and my pilot project was with Chicago. I got some some of my peers in Chicago to conduct a live class for them, for these children who were all aged maybe between 13 and 15. These were all girls and they were from a very underprivileged community and they spoke English That and that was that. Uh, essentially, these the, these my employees, these my peers from uh, Chicago conducted a live class for them on international marketing and the culture of Chicago and what it really means to get out of their city and what else is available and so on. Uh, it was a, it was for there for about three hours or so. 
So in this program, we also it was not just a classroom classroom mm-hmm. thing. We, we even had hands-on assignments. So we gave little assignments to these kids. They sat down and did their assignments. They showed their assignment sheet via the teleconference, and somebody sitting in Chicago was actually reviewing their assignment sheet in real. I'm sure. Just I'm sure my listeners right now, as well as myself, we're just. I'm in awe of this. It just gives me chills to hear this. I mean, what what a beautiful, amazing story. But not only that for yourself, but just to be able to give back to these underprivileged girls who just to let them know that they have so much more value and worth that maybe what their small uh, rural uh, village may tell them. And I, I'm sure that was so impactful for them. And I, and, and if do you have any any of the maybe what were some of the reviews that the kids had or the girls had about about that time? Um. So. Uh, <laughs> I guess they were uh, completely dumbstruck. I bet. Um, uh, these are people, uh, and I, I consciously selected people who are from from you know from families that couldn't afford like holidays or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, even the case study that I included within that within the program had to do with uh, how would you sell pizza to an American. Mm. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and fun part of it was that most of these children had never eaten a slice of pizza in their entire life. Oh, wow. So we, when we brought in this, these slices of pizza and, and we asked them to eat it and, and figure out what it was about uh-huh. and then try and sell this to somebody sitting in America, uh, it, it was amazing the, the kind of emotional reaction that I got from that, conducting that entire program. Wow. Uh, Children just could not believe it. They could not believe, and one of them was speaking to a foreigner for the very first time. So they'd never seen anybody with white skin or mm-hmm. black skin, other skin. They've only used to the brown Indian skin. Wow. Uh, and with a completely different accent, and all of a sudden, and and this the, this infrastructure that we have at Deloitte has no time lag. It really feels like you're sitting with the person on the other side of the table. Wow! Wow! And, That's amazing. <laughs> Yes, and it, it was fantastic. These children had the time of their life. They, this is not what they expected when they showed up. And uh, by the time the session was over, they were hugging me and crying. Oh, and all. that's beautiful. <laughs> that is so beautiful. How was it yeah. for you? I mean, I, just the, as, as I hear, of course, you tell this story, I just hear the joy in your voice. How was it for you to have all those girls hug you as you just literally changed their life in unimaginable ways? I, I must say I felt a lot of gratitude for that opportunity. I I didn't feel su- morally superior to them in any way. Of course. I, uh, and this would not have been possible without the support of the people in Chicago who actually came at midnight just like this to to the office to to conduct a session. It was midnight for them when it is when it was daylight in India. Mm. Um, so while the concept and the idea etc. We we had you know. I, they came pro- pro- predominantly from me. The execution of it would have failed utterly if it was not for them. So um, I, I was glad. I, I, I felt like I, I finally did something meaningful. Wow. Wow. And yes. I, I, I'm sure on so many levels, you've, you've done yes. many, many amazing things on and, and many levels. But, um, you know, specifically this particular example, I'm, I'm extremely confident that you literally changed the worldview of these yes. young girls. Yes. I think they they kind of started developing an appreciation for for the American culture, and more importantly, they started believing that if they really put in the effort, one day they would be sitting there on the other side of that table. And I think that's the biggest takeaway. Of course, you know, being exposed to many different cultures, of course, is amazing. But I think just instilling that 
that resilience or that, that confidence within them just as a seed growing, you know, in the dark, you know, but it will eventually germinate and become a beautiful thing. And so just to know that you are a part of that, you know, all the people that were part of that particular um, situation were able to, who knows, maybe change the life of so many people who could then change the life of their world as well. Absolutely. Yes. And we did that the other way around also. So we went to KIPP, KIPP Chicago. Mm-hmm. KIPP is a, is a school in Chicago, K-I-P-P, KIPP. Um, it, it's a school in Chicago where uh, children from underprivileged families study. We went to KIPP Chicago and got children from there to, to use the exact same facility. And we had colleagues, my colleagues from India sitting here and conducting the session for them. That's absolutely amazing. You know, I was telling you uh, in our pre-call that I actually had a patient of mine who was part of that. And I remember she yes. was telling me about this, uh, I was like... I can't remember how, how long ago it was, but she was telling me about that she was doing that, that she was teaching um, underprivileged children how to read and being a part of that whole part, that whole, um, I guess, pilot program right. with Deloitte. Yes. And so it's just so interesting how the world kind of links us together that I had heard about this, you know, a while ago, and now I'm actually speaking to the person who developed it. So that's it's just kind of neat how, <laughs> that, how that all works together. Yes, that's cool, isn't it? Yes, it really is. Well, Anjana, I know that you did this to um, just to share the world or just tell my listeners as well as myself, just the, the amazing things that, you know, someone came from one particular um, life who had certain life opportunities, and then you were able to just literally change your world. So I want, I want my listeners to, to really be, um, to have this beautiful takeaway that I have as well, that regardless of where you are in life, there's always, there's always something beautiful on the other side of it. And um, so thank you. I really, I really want to thank you for being a guest on my show today. Thank you, James. Thank you for having me. Of course. Now, I know that you, you are not, you know, you don't necessarily have a, a website per se, but if my listeners would like to find out more information about you, where would they be able to find your information online? Um, I, I have a very active presence on LinkedIn. Uh-huh. Uh, you, listeners who want to, your listeners who want to connect with me, you should just search my name on LinkedIn and I will spell it out. That's A-N-J-A-N-A, Anjana, and K-A. R-U-M-A-T-H-I-L. And um, Anjana Karumathan, if you search for my name, my profile will, will pop up and please send me a connection request and I'd be happy to speak further. Wonderful. Anjana, thank you once again for being a guest on my show today. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for having me, James. It was wonderful speaking to you. I also want to thank you, my listener, for joining with me today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you joined with me. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for my newsletter, enroll in the Lifeology Academy, watch my YouTube episodes, and read all the articles I've written just for you. If you'd like to become a guest or advertise on my show, simply visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. You may also follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Have a fantastic day, and I look forward to speaking with you very soon.